0: Welcome to Talent X, the talent experience podcast featuring authentic conversations on the future of work, empowering you to better understand and deliver a best in class, future proofed career experience. For more insightful conversations, visit TalentXPodcast.com.
1: We hope you enjoy this episode of the Talent X podcast.
0: Hello, I'm John Holland, and welcome to Talent X, the talent experience podcast. Today's guest is an old-time friend, Dr. John Sullivan. Dr. John is not only a longtime professor of business at San Francisco State University, but he's also an internationally known HR thought leader from the Silicon Valley who specializes in strategic talent management solutions. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. John. Can you take a moment and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been working on during the lockdown? Sure, John. Well, it's been an
1: exciting time. Uh, change you know, brings opportunities as well as problems. So I've been focusing on what I call data-driven HR, how to make us more scientific, how to make the business case for what we do, the business impact, because especially now with the downturn and layoffs, uh, having been through several of these, I know that the future's gonna be bleak for any department, not just ours, if we can't show our business impact, if we can't show our ROI. And in particular, I've been working on remote innovation Uh, with so many people working at home, innovation tends to be reduced. So the million dollar answer is, can you have people innovate when they don't see each other every day?
0: Wow, that's exciting stuff. And we're certainly gonna talk about remote work here a little bit. Um, And as you know, there's a lot to talk about given all that's happening in the world. Uh, But let me start by asking this. What are the big takeaways so far on how the coronavirus pandemic and the business shutdown that it caused is impacting staffing, retention, recruiting and hiring, and the future of work? What are you seeing out there?
1: Well, I see what we call the VUCA world, which is volatile, uncertainty, complex, ambiguous. So it's it's a term for the world that is totally... Uh, unpredictable and so you look at the big picture yeah we have health issues that are crazy but what about an economy it's crazy oil prices are negative politics is crazy technology is crazy the things we can do so the the big takeaway has been we need to learn not to uh, adjust just to this virus but to other disruptions unbelievable disruptions like oil prices if you're in the oil industry you know, uh, if you're in the lending business, you know money is free. So we need to hire people that can handle disruption. Turns out there's 20% of the population that can handle it with no issues, that are just really good at adapting to change. Uh, certainly, remote interviewing is is here forever. I've been pushing it a while, but it's certainly king. And in hiring, we're going to have hiring freezes, slowdowns. So that normally means when you have outrageously high unemployment, and I'm predicting as high as 20% in some regions, the power will shift back to the candidate, the candidate experience will kind of fade. And what will occur is, you you can have multiple uh, applicants for every job, but how are you gonna sell the best people? How are you gonna uh, hire them remotely? Because now there's really no talent shortage. If you work at home, I can now hire the best people wherever they live. And that means that even though there might be a shortage in Auckland or in Boston, there's not a shortage around the world. So it gives you a tremendous opportunity. And then last, retention. You know, when there's high unemployment, people don't tend to quit. But certainly machine learning people, technology people, people that are uh, highly valuable will still leave. So you have to have a personalized retention plan that targets those individuals and what they need to stay.
0: I I know you stay on top of what's going on in the business world and the latest trends and things that uh, companies are out there doing. Have you seen any workforce management decisions recently that have surprised you? Is there anything you thought that would happen during this crisis that we're in right now that hasn't happened?
1: Yeah uh well primarily in talent management we we've got caught with our pants down we're assuming growth is going to continue we're going to hire we we're not ready for a downturn so if you if you live long enough you know there's a term called flexible or fluid workforce well you need a workforce that can change both in skills and in in size and we just didn't do that we got surprised so we ended up with a lot of layoffs more furloughs than we've ever had Uh, Google had a hiring freeze, never happened before, and they're now changing who they hire based on the fact that they need remote workers who can innovate. So it's like 84, like 2000, like 2008. We weren't ready, we need to be ready. We need to be able to expand talent quickly in a particular area like machine learning, but we also need to shrink cost quickly through contingent workers or other methods. And we just got surprised, I don't know, Literally of any firm that was prepared for the
0: downturn, well, you hear a lot about you know that um, companies need to be more agile in uh, what they do. That sounds to me like what you're what you're talking about here that companies weren't really ready to be that, and now they need to get with it pretty fast
1: absolutely, only the definition of agile is greater so You know, not too long, ago, oil prices were $100 a barrel, now they're minus 35. They pay, you have to pay people to take the the oil away. And so that kind of change is kind of unusual, but if you look at the weather, you look at the climate, look at so many things, you know, earthquakes in in New Zealand and things, if change becomes not just constant, but radical. And so we need to say, we need new skill sets, we need to be able to change skills rapidly, uh, we need to do onboarding. We used to hire people, they came on board, we met them, we shook their hands, but now it has to be remote. So there are a lot of things that are changing, not just a little bit, but a huge amount. And so that's an opportunity to me. If you went in and say, this is the way I always have done it, you get no value. But if you say, I have a competitive advantage, I can do it in half the time. So speed becomes critical, adaptivity and innovation are gonna be the three buzzwords.
0: Well, I want to talk about remote onboarding here in a moment, but before we get to that, I want to um, maybe touch on a little bit. Is this crisis really a breakthrough moment for remote work? Is it the final push we need to get organizations that had been resisting it uh, for a long time and getting them to be more willing to make it a rare option for employees? What's your What's your view on that?
1: Yes, the world has changed. <clears throat> so it's it's like, you know, you used to go to movie theaters and now you have Netflix streaming. Once you go that way, movie theaters are in trouble. Well, the same is true for remote work, is that most people didn't like it, managers didn't like it. Come on, old style managers, they want to look over your shoulder, see what you're doing. But in information technology, you can't look over someone's shoulder. You can't tell if they're working. When you're innovating, they might look like they're sleeping, but they might be thinking. So it's really been the managers that have been a pain in the butt. HR has not liked it because you can't watch people remotely. You know, know, they might work, do illegal things, immoral things, not work at all. And so what I found is that remote work is here. What is not here is how to do it well, how to manage a team remotely, and most importantly, metrics, you, you just can't have people working around the world without constantly measuring their performance. Uh, so you can't trust, you have to trust and measure. And most of our performance measures or performance output measures are so weak that that's going to be an issue.
0: You know, I've been working remotely for the better part of 10 years. And I can remember having discussions with uh, With uh, a lot of uh, managers and bosses in the past about working remotely, even like once a week, and they always push back. And yet, the funny thing is, since I've been working at home for the last 10 years, I work more and harder than I ever did in an office. So, I'm not quite certain what these bosses I had in the past thought. And I've seen a lot of studies that said that people who work at home, by and large, tend to work more because you never leave work. You're at because ho- you're at home and you work at home, you can work anytime. And there's a lot of time shifting of work, of when they work, when they do things.
1: Yeah, it's at least 20%, sometimes 40. But quick example, Best Buy uh, used to do what we call results only work environment. You work whenever you want, come to work, dress up, nobody cares, it's just a measure of performance. They got a 40% increase in productivity but they eliminated the program. IBM used to sell remote work equipment. They made money off it. Now at IBM, everyone, well, before this last month, everyone was forced to come to work. And the reason was companies like Amazon, they innovate so quickly that they found that we you, you just couldn't innovate with remote work. So that's why it's my number one issue right now. Uh, how do you get people, not just to be productive, that's clear, but how do you get them to also be innovative when people don't see each other?
0: You know, I've also been reading a lot about um, remote onboarding. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that trend and and how those programs seem to be doing? Well, it
1: came from Google. (laughs) They've never remote onboarded anyone. There was no need for it. And then all of a sudden, all the people they have in the pipeline, which is thousands, can't be onboarded. Well, there's nothing worse than getting started The wrong way with the wrong attitude with the wrong equipment or being hired and you're really excited you know you're tiger woods you get hired to play golf and then you can't play golf it's very frustrating so they started this and then they began to look around there's tons of automation but it's all crap no offense in that it's about signups you can sign up really quick administratively that's it turns out that's not the issue time to productivity it's time to learn how to collaborate, time to work with teammates, time to build your network. So that's been the focus. How you know, do you get people up to speed so that even though they haven't been onboarded or they don't see people, their productivity is up to minimum uh, in a faster time. And Google found that approach, five simple things you can do, and it increased uh, their productivity by 25%. So that's been a major issue because literally, only administrative parts of onboarding have been uh, automated.
0: Yeah. Do you know the numbers that, that Google is onboarding these, uh, these days? Do they, are they still hiring quite a bit or has has that slowed, slowed down?
1: There are thousands in the queue. Um, oh. So they did have a hiring freeze last month, but they're still hiring, but they're just struggling with onboarding. So, you know, I wrote a book on onboarding. There's a list of things. So the manager doesn't show up the first day. What what could be worse? you have a new job and your manager's not available, it makes you feel like you don't matter. Uh, you can't meet people, you can't go to lunch, you can't do the things at Google, you have food everywhere, you'd go have food, but you can't do that now. And so it's become a huge issue, but not because they don't get hired, they don't get on payroll, but it's because they're not productive and you're hiring people, paying them a lot of money, they wanna be productive. So it frustrates them when they're working on nothing and they're they're literally told, read the
0: manual. Now I've heard that um, the companies that really do onboarding the best are the ones that start the onboarding process the moment somebody accepts a job, that they start talking to them, they start sending them the paperwork, they start introducing them. have have you been hearing that? Do you do you think that is the best the best way to go? It's
1: the only way to go. So I have an article on that. So it starts with the offer process. The minute the offer is accepted, you need to send them a thank you, send the, the spouse, the kids, everything to close the deal. Then it's called pre boarding IBM does it really well. So they found that if you involve people, so remember we had a lot of ghosting and if you involve people by offering, now you don't have to force them, offer them training, send them a package. So we, we, when I used to work at Agile, we sent new hires a package with their computer, their cell phone, business cards, everything. Before they even start, a shock to them and say, this company's different, they trust me. Here's thousands of dollars worth of equipment, I don't even work there yet, and they trust me. So pre-boarding has become critical Uh, even before onboarding, get them involved, get them feel like they're part of the team, building their network. Turns out one of the most important things is building their network. So giving them a profile of LinkedIn profile of all the team members, connect them on LinkedIn so that they instantly, before they start feel connected and part of the team.
0: John, you've advised and consulted with businesses for a long time, as long as I've known you, certainly. What one piece of advice do you have for companies and organizations that are struggling to get through these difficult times? Don't look at those difficult times, look at opportunities. If you move fast,
1: as I said, if you innovate uh, in both your product and people management, uh, if you adapt, if you just take changes as part of life, uh, you're gonna do well. And within HR, it's it's two things, is it focus on the data, Database decisions don't assume you know what works because what worked last year won't work this year when the world is totally different. So, you need to be data driven. And then, the other part in tight times, you have to show your economic impact. So, don't say we hired five people or retained five people, say we returned a million dollars by retaining someone, or we hired great salespeople so they sell more. You have to show the business impact, you have to quantify it, or they will cut you like they did the last several recessions. So it's already happening in recruiting. Soon will happen in retention because people aren't quitting. Uh, internal movement will become a huge issue, uh, but you'll have to do it and show the business impact.
0: Are you surprised that companies um, who dealt with a big recession a dozen years ago um, haven't reacted better to this change? Or do you think that this change is so monumental? It's such a huge thing. I mean, it's certainly something that none of us have ever dealt with in like our lifetime, um, the lockdown and the virus. Do you think that it just wasn't possible to even learn a lesson that would be something you could apply this time around from what happened back in 2008 and so?
1: Well, I don't, I disagree a little bit. I don't see any different than 2001 uh, and 9-11. Everything shut down. We laid off. People were in shock, nobody traveled, no conferences, things like that. So it doesn't matter though. It doesn't matter. If there's no history. You have to learn. So there was Ebola. There were so many viruses, and the weather has changed. Everything has changed. So no, there's a list of companies. Uh, Boston Consulting Group did a study, and there are companies like Apple. They make money when times are tough or times are great. There there are companies that just do that because they're adaptive. So I would go to people and say, what's your plan B? And they look at me like I'm strange. You have to have a plan A, plan B, but now you have to have a plan C and D. So that's where we need to change. If the economy improves, we'll do this. But guess what? It won't improve in every area. So we might hire in machine learning, but we'll lay off in another customer service. So that adaptability becomes critical Speed becomes critical, so we're gonna have to hire people that just move really quickly, and then innovation. You can innovate, but you have to innovate fast. You have to be the first one. So I look at it as an opportunity. I know several firms that look at it as an opportunity. Now there's gonna be an abundance of talent because they can work anywhere, and because they're laid off, now you can get all the great people you need if you can put them to work and show business impact.
0: Well, John, this has been a great talk. I'm always amazed how quickly our podcasts go. Uh, But I have one more question to ask. Um, Here at the TalentX podcast, we wholeheartedly believe everyone should have a job that they love and one that they're very passionate about. So, Dr. John, what do you love about what you do?
1: Well, my emphasis is making uh, people management a profit center, showing them that we spent 60, 70% of our money on on employees, let's show how much revenue they can generate, how much money they can generate. So I love pushing the envelope and adopting business tools to HR in order to increase profit. So hire great people, you know, in sports or in arts, when you hire a great actor, profit of the movie goes up. Well, we need to adapt the same approach within HR.
0: Well, that's great. Again, John, thank you very much. We appreciate you spending time with us today on the TalentX podcast.
1: Thanks, John. Stay, stay safe.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the TalentX podcast. For more talent experience and future of work conversations, visit TalentXPodcast.com.
1: Follow us on Twitter at podcast,
0: Or join the conversation with hashtag podcast on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter.
1: Talent the talent experience podcast was brought to you by the fabulous fuelies at Fuel50.